So I've really enjoyed this sermon series so far. I hope that you have too. Jesus Unfiltered. Um, so what is a filter for? Well, a, a filter takes something the way it is and makes it what you want it to be. Whether you have an oil filter on your car, takes out the impurities so that you've got the clean oil you want, um, or uh, a coffee filter. If you had some coffee today, you probably noticed, hopefully, there weren't any grounds in it. It's because we used a coffee filter. takes out what you don't want, and it makes you what, what, what you want it to be. Um, some people do that with Jesus. You take Jesus, and you take out what you don't want when it comes to Jesus, and you're left with the Jesus that you want, that you want him to be. But that's not the Jesus of the Bible. So in this series, we're taking the filter away, and we're showing you Jesus the way he really was. Jesus, with all of his challenging statements, and we're especially focusing in this series on the I am statements of Jesus from John's gospel. Who is Jesus really? He tells us who he is by saying, I am, and today we're talking about, I am the door, the gate. Jesus is the gate, and we're going to see what that means. Now, these unfiltered truths about Jesus, they are, for some people, offensive. And that's okay. If somebody is offended at Jesus because of how he reveals himself, that's, that's an offense that we will let stand because that's the real Jesus. But there are things about the Christian church, the Christian faith, that are, let's call them false offenses. People are offended for various reasons, but it's not because that's the real Jesus. And I bet you know people like this who are offended about Christianity, who would never become a Christian because, and they have reasons. I bet you know people like that. Or maybe you are one of those people. Maybe there's this one part of the Christian faith that you're still not comfortable with, or somebody dragged you to church today, and you're here because they made you come, but you, there's something inside of you that's, that's a little bit tense right now. Maybe, you're, maybe your arms are crossed because something offends you about the Christian faith. And to be honest, I can understand that. Some people have had bad experiences with the Christian church, and I'm sorry about that. Some people see the Christian church as judgmental. Christians just judge other people. They don't seek to understand. They don't seek to empathize. They just, they just judge people. And that's, I can't be a Christian because of that. Maybe you've heard that, or maybe that's, that's run through your mind at some point. There's an offense there, but I'm hoping to be able to show you that, that that's, not, that's not actually true, that that's not what Jesus preached. There, there are some who think that the church discriminates. Okay, um, uh, I grew up in a church, and I know that they did not treat women the same as men. And that still bothers you, or you know somebody who says something like that, or they discriminate, they're all for this political party, and they're against that political party, and the church should not be involved in politics. I'm offended about the church, I will not become a Christian, or this is what troubles me about the Christian faith. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's what sticks in somebody's craw. Um, other people, uh, they think that the church is all about control. The church is just trying to manipulate people, trying to control people. All they want is your money, and everything they say, they're just trying to make you feel guilty, so you give more, so you do more, and that's not for me. Nope, I'm not gonna, I would never be a Christian, because the church is just trying to control people. Maybe you've heard that. What, what is control when you take it to an extreme? Don't we call that abuse? Yeah, I've heard about the Christian church. I've heard what priests have done. I've heard about that pastor who made it in the news cycle for several days. 
I've heard of what that church leader did and how he had to resign. Church is all about abuse, so I would never be a Christian. Maybe you've heard that one. And if you somehow haven't heard any of these, I know you've heard this one. Church is just full of hypocrites. You ever heard that? They, they say one thing, they preach one thing, they put on their, their, their nice church clothes and they sit very nice in the pew, but then they go and live a very different life. The church is full of hypocrites. I'd be a Christian, but I know too many of them. And so, because of the offense of these things, people don't even consider Christianity. They think that that maybe somehow represents the teachings of Jesus. But what I hope to show you today is that that's not the real Jesus. None of those things flow from the teachings of Jesus. These are things that have happened because of broken people in a broken world who don't follow the teachings of Jesus as he teaches them. So we're going to take a look at the unfiltered Jesus today as we find out that Jesus is the door. And by the way, there is that one thing that is offensive through today's message. That Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is the door. I pray that that is the only thing that will offend something, somebody about the Christian faith. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 10, and we're going to take a look at the first 10 verses next week. Uh, we'll, we'll be looking at the rest of the chapter. Uh, Pastor Bill will be leading next Sunday, talking about the Good Shepherd. Uh, he's talked a little bit, Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd, a little bit in the reading we're about to hear, but I'm going to kind of keep it more to the gate part, the door part, because we don't want those two sermons to overlap too much. But before we get into reading these verses, there's something, there's some background that you really need to know because um, if you don't know your Bible very well, before John chapter 10 comes John chapter 9. So now you've learned something about Scripture today. And in John chapter 9, we hear this fascinating story. In fact, go home today and read, read it in detail. Uh, one of the most interesting stories in the Bible about a man who was born blind, didn't become blind later through some tragic accident or some kind of virus or something, he was born blind, never had seen in his life. And this man was a well-known figure in town. He was always in the public space begging because that's the only way he could survive. So everybody knew the beggar who was blind. The whole town knew him. Well, on a Sabbath day, Jesus came along. He sees this man, and he does something unusual. Jesus, on this Sabbath day, as he gets near the man spits on the ground. And with his saliva, he makes a little bit of mud, he picks up some of that mud, walks over to the man, smears some, some on each one of his eyes, he says to the man, now, now go and, and wash in the pool. The man has to wonder what in the world is going on, but I got mud on my face, I guess I will. He goes over to the pool, washes the mud out of his eyes, opens them, and he can see. John, John says it uh, in these, with these words. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Thanks, John. That's a lot of detail. Very factual, very brief, very almost dry. He reports the facts of exactly what happened. So people begin to ask questions. This man who is blind is walking around town. Clearly he can see. And, and people start to argue about it. Like, did you see the, the blind man? He, he can see. He's walking around. Oh, come on. That can't, that can't be him. 
It's just somebody that looks like him. And he had to have looked a little bit different. If it ever, you saw him his whole life feeling his way around, uh, maybe he's got one of those tapping sticks, I don't know. But, but, and then now you see him, and he's just walking freely, and, and his eyes are, he's looking at people in the eyes, he's, he's enjoying everything around him. He's going to look different, isn't he? So some people say, no, that, that's not him. That's just his twin brother. Somebody that looks like him, his doppelganger. It's not him, though. And the guy says, no, it really is me. So people start asking, what happened? How can you see? Well, I don't know. This guy just came up to me and put some mud on my eyes, told me to go wash. I washed, and my sight came back. And people kept asking, and he kept telling the story, and there's just this buzz in town. And finally, the Pharisees, the, the Jewish religious leaders, the people who are supposed to be representing God, they catch wind of this, and they have the man come in. Like, what happened? He tells the story, the whole story, once again. And they say, oh, come on. This can't be right. Tell, tell us again, what happened? He tells the story a second time. No, we, we, we don't believe this. It, we, this can't be true. Bring the guy's parents in. Somebody send for his parents. Bring them in here. His parents come in. His parents are intimidated. They're afraid they very briefly confirm the story, and then they pass the buck, they throw their son under the bus. Why don't you just talk to him? He's of age, uh, he can answer your questions, just talk to him, and they hightail it out of there. So once again, they say, you're lying, aren't you? What happened? And he says, what? Uh, what this guy named Jesus, I told you what happened, you want me to tell you again because you want to become a follower of him? And that made them mad. We don't follow this man, we follow Moses. He is an imposter. Okay, so I don't know. Imposter or not, here's what I can tell you. I couldn't see. Now I can see. You tell me who he is. Is he from God or not? And then they just get furious at him. They insult him. They call him a sinner because he was born blind. Oh, by the way, I'm not blind anymore. But he was born blind, and therefore they call him a sinner. They kick him out of the synagogue, and they don't want to have anything more to do with him. And then as the story continues, Jesus finds him. Jesus tells him who he really is, and it's a beautiful story. You've got to read John chapter 9. But from those religious leaders, from those church people, from those Pharisees, what did the man and his parents experience? Well, let's see. These Pharisees were judgmental. They were discriminating. Um, they didn't like disabled people, apparently. Assumed that they must be sinners. They were controlling and intimidating and threatening, scared people. They were abusive toward the man, and they were hypocrites. Sound familiar? Isn't this the reason for why many people won't even consider Christianity? This is how the religious leaders of Jesus' day were treating that man. Now, what's fascinating is what we learn next, what we read in John chapter 10. How does Jesus react to what the Pharisees were doing and by hearing that, we understand also, how does Jesus react? What does Jesus think about today when there are churches that abuse, when there are leaders who are hypocritical? When people are judgmental, when they discriminate, how does Jesus feel about that today? What would he say to leaders today if that's what people are experiencing in churches? Well, we're going to find out. Let's take a look in John chapter 10. Starting at verse 1, we read this. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, He's singling them out. He's got something he's, he's got to, that they've got to learn from him. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate 
but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And let's just pause there so I can give you a little bit of the cultural context because the Pharisees, they were getting exactly the picture he was talking about. They were understanding it immediately because it was part of their culture, but for us, not so much. So there were, there were these um, sheep pens. During the day, the shepherds would have their flocks out in the pastures. They would feed them. That's where they got their nourishment. There was water for them to drink. But, but to be out in the open field at night, well, that was, that was a dangerous thing. So they would lead the sheep back into a sheep pen. And sometimes there were even multiple flocks in one sheep pen. Sometimes they were permanent structures. They would have high stone walls around them. Or sometimes they were put together just out of briars and sticks if they were too far away to get to one. But the characteristic of all of these sheep pens was that there was always only one entrance to it. And maybe that's kind of obvious, right? If there were multiple entrances, the sheep could wander off and leave. No, they were, and they were safe and there was only one way, one proper way into that sheep pen. And oftentimes at that gate, there was not a physical gate, but the shepherd themselves or a porter would be the gate. So the sheep could pass through, the shepherd who owned the sheep could pass through, but somebody who did not belong could not. And if there was somebody that didn't belong in that sheep pen, who wasn't legitimate, well, we're going to see how they got there. Jesus tells us next. It says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, the shepherd, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech because the Pharisees did not understand uh, what he was telling them. The Pharisees didn't understand. Jesus is trying to use a, a parable, this little story, to try to do it a little end around because if Jesus said, you Pharisees are hypocritical, you're judgmental, you're discriminating, you are abusing this man, you are not doing what God wants, and they, they would have just been outraged, they would have been defensive, they would have attacked Jesus. So Jesus tells a little parable to try to get around all that, to try to make it sink into their hearts, and, and they, they just don't get it. They don't under, understand. Jesus was the true shepherd. He was the one whose voice the, the sheep would recognize and listen to, and, and he's saying that the other ones, they were, they were just imposters, and the sheep wouldn't even listen to them, and they, just, they would just leave. Um, so uh, we don't want to get into the shepherd and the sheep part quite so much because that's going to be next Sunday's sermon. Uh, in the next part, though, Jesus kind of changes his metaphor just a little bit to try to make his point a little bit more clear to these Pharisees because they're not getting the gist of what he's trying to say. So starting at verse 7, it says this, Therefore Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate, or the door. That, this Greek word can be either one. I am the gate, or the door, for the sheep. All who have come before me, and I, I think he's referring to the Pharisees and, and a lot of other people there, um, they are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. And if you read John chapter 9, that blind man who could see he wasn't listening to the Pharisees. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Jesus says, yeah, those who really know, those who know the voice of God, they don't listen to those robbers or those thieves. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So instead of calling himself the shepherd in this section, Jesus calls himself the gate. He is the only way into the flock of God. He is the only legitimate way, the only legitimate path. Remember from our reading earlier in in, uh, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said that the gate is narrow, that there's only one proper door, and, and that is the Lord Jesus himself. Through him, we go in and find protection and safety. Through him, we go out and find nourishment and provision. Jesus, though, is the only proper gate. So, Jesus, in this section, is teaching an important truth that he wanted the Pharisees to understand, but one that he wants us to grasp as well. And that truth is this. It's our first takeaway. If you're taking notes, write this in. Dangerous doors, and I'll put them in quotes because they're not really doors, but they pretend that they are. Dangerous doors distract and destroy. Dangerous doors distract and destroy. So dangerous doors would be the, like the Pharisees, these, these false Christians, these false leaders. They distract people from Jesus, who is the only legitimate one. They destroy the faith of people. And also today, we, say that we see the same thing. There are many ways, we talked about that earlier as well. There's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end it leads to death. There are many ways that are proposed to people, but there is only one right way. There are many ways that are proposed, but Jesus is the only way. Have you ever seen those uh, bumper stickers that say coexist? And, and the, the letters are made up of all the symbols of the major religions. What, what does that mean? Well, it, it, the person who puts that up, a bumper sticker on their car is probably saying, just everybody, get along with everybody. All religions are the same. All paths lead to God. It's all good. There's, there's a religion called the Baha'i. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Baha'i faith. Uh, but, but their approach is every single religion of the world, Muslim, Buddhism, Christianity, Judaism, doesn't matter, any, all religions of the world have a bit of the truth of God. And your best bet for understanding God, the best would be to take them all together and learn from all of them. Almost like every, we're all looking at the same mountain, we just have a different perspective, and so it doesn't matter which path you take, all paths lead to God. And there's a part of us that says, oh, that's interesting, yeah, preach it, pastor. Except that's false teaching. That's the opposite of what Jesus was teaching. The others come to distract from Jesus. Jesus is the only way. That's offensive. It's exclusive. It's just Jesus. Well, well, why does it have to be just Jesus? Because Jesus, you write this down as your next takeaway, Jesus is the only true door. He is the true door that delivers. Write that down. The true door that delivers. Did you hear the the, the way that Jesus is described? The true door that delivers. He said, the sheep listen. You recognize the beauty of Jesus, and you listen. He calls the sheep by name. He leads them, and they follow. Jesus knows us by name. 
We're not a number to Jesus. We're not one of billions. He knows each one of our names. He leads them and they follow. Jesus doesn't drive the sheep. He leads them and they follow him. They know his voice. He said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Will be saved. They will find pasture. Following Jesus, there is safety. We go in. We are protected by Christ from all the the dangers of this world. And he promises to give to us eternal life. Through Jesus, we go out into the world. We find pasture. We find nourishment for our faith. Jesus is the true shepherd who delivers. Jesus is the one who provides. If you look at the life of Jesus, study the Gospels, read through all four of them in great detail, and what you find is that Jesus was never judgmental. You just don't find it. Jesus didn't discriminate. It's fascinating. Uh, the way Jesus speaks to women, values women, for example, didn't discriminate against them. Just the opposite. He was, not, he was so countercultural to the way everyone else was treating women in his day. He didn't discriminate. He didn't discriminate against people who were from a different culture or a different country. In fact, he even targeted them to receive the gospel in his ministry. Jesus never discriminated. Uh, Jesus was never controlling He never drove people to something. He didn't lay down guilt trips. He didn't threaten people. There was nobody who was afraid of Jesus, right? Jesus was never abusive toward anybody. He didn't abuse. And Jesus was never a hypocrite. What Jesus said, Jesus did. What Jesus taught, Jesus lived. Nobody ever accused him of being a hypocrite. Jesus is the Son of God in human flesh, the only one who is ever perfect in every way. Jesus is our substitute. Jesus is our Savior. He is the only one who went to a cross. Buddha didn't do that. Muhammad didn't go to a cross for you. It's only Jesus. Jesus is described in Paul's letter to the Colossians uh, in a beautiful way. And if I could give you a little homework assignment to read through all of Colossians in the next day or two, I know that sounds like a big assignment, but it'll take you about 13 minutes if you read at an average pace. And you're going to see, it's all about the supremacy of Christ, the sufficiency of Christ. Jesus is enough. Jesus is it. You're going to appreciate the door, the gate, Jesus even more as you read through Colossians. But let me share with you just a small portion of it. Uh, This translation is called God's Word. Uh, If you're looking for an alternate translation that's more simple and might word things in a different way to make you think about things more actively, give God's Word uh, translation a try. See what you think of it. Uh, Here's what it says in Colossians 1, starting at verse 13. God has rescued us from the power of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his Son, whom he loves. His Son paid the price to free us, which means that our sins are forgiven. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He created all things. He created, Jesus created all things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether they are kings or lords, rulers or powers, everything has been created through him and for him. He existed before everything and holds everything together. He is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, the first to come back to life, but not the last. 
so that he would have first place in everything. God was pleased to have all of himself live in Christ. God was also pleased to bring everything on earth and in heaven back to himself through Christ. He did this by making peace through Christ's blood sacrificed on the cross. Could it be more more clear, more beautiful than that? Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the way. Because of his perfect life, because of his death on the cross, because he is true God and true man in human flesh, because of all that he did for us, the way to the Father is through Jesus and through Jesus alone. There are other pretenders. There are others who distract. There are others who deceive. There are others who destroy. And and by, by leading us away from Jesus, by leading us to maybe trust in ourselves, trust in what we're doing in order to get right with God, they are destroying faith in God. They are, they are stealing sheep from the flock. They are not the way. Only Jesus is. Jesus is the only true door. And what does that mean for you? When you know that door, when you enter through that door, what does that mean for you? At the end of our reading, we read this. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came so that you might have life and have it to the full. I think sometimes we think as Christians, you know, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? Oh, it means that someday I'm going to die and go to heaven. Well, that's, that's true, and that's someday, but what about now? Jesus gives you an abundant life, a full life, a meaningful life right now too. He gave life for, to you and for you. So what does that mean? Well, it means that, that you get to live life guilt-free. You're forgiven by Jesus. No shame. You have value because of Jesus. It means that in your life, your daily life, you have peace, total peace, knowing that God smiles on you. You're good with God, peace with him. It means that you get to live every day with joy. doesn't matter what your circumstances are. doesn't matter what you're going through right now. doesn't matter your financial condition. doesn't matter what your health is like. You are right with God. You have peace and you have joy in your daily living. And it means that your daily life right now has meaning and purpose means that you have a good reason to get up every morning because you are unique, you have strengths that God only gave you, you have a relationship network that is unique to you, you can love on people that only you know, that only you can give Christ's love to, which means you have something super important to do today. Get out there and love with the love of Jesus and speak the truth and grace of God to everybody you know That's your meaning and your purpose in life. You have a full life. You have an abundant life to live. Jesus gives it to you. So this is the unfiltered Jesus. Jesus is the only true door. Jesus is the only true door. And that's that's offensive to some. But my hope and my prayer is that that's the only offense that we have here at St. Peter or at the core. That, that the offense that we have here is that Jesus is the only way and we're not going to back down from that. And my hope and my prayer is that knowing the love of Jesus, knowing Jesus even better, knowing what he has done for us at the cross, that this will be a place where we don't see 
those things that hinder people from coming to Christ. This is not a place of discrimination. This is not not a place where we control people. This is not a place of abuse. This is not a place of hypocrisy. My hope and my prayer is that that will never offend anybody that comes to this church, but that only one thing will, that Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the door. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, um, we... First of all, we, we, we're, we're sorry if, if anything that we have ever done as a church or individually has driven somebody away from listening to the unfiltered Jesus. Uh, sometimes people claim to speak from God, they claim to be a leader of God, and they do horrible things in the name of God, and that offends people, and they don't listen to, to Jesus anymore. So if we've done any of that or been responsible for that, forgive us, Lord. And if there are people out there that are, are in that situation right now, that, that you would change their hearts and rec- help them recognize that, that uh, not all Christians are this way, that there is true Christian love, and that Jesus is the one true way. So help us to be true representatives of you here on earth and, and give us boldness to love well and to speak your love with boldness as well. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, the one true door. Amen.